This wouldn't even be a thing. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I never know what to say. Yeah, I never know what to say. I, I mean, yeah. Would you not consider me like the lead host? Oh, are we going to start yeah. some drama? Yeah, right now. Yeah, okay, right. Well, actually, I take issue with. This. Catch me outside. How about that? <laughs> to be fair, it is very true. Alex holds the whole thing together. I don't. But I'm merely floating in the Annapurna verse. You're like the glue between the um. I can't think of, of what what it would be between. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Joining us today is our first guest in this new season. I'm so excited. It is Daisy. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. I had to stifle so many giggles during that intro because I did, <laughs> I didn't want it to be like this. Like uh didn't completely want it to be disconnected this <laughs> ghost voice where people are like, Who the hell is like snorting in the background of laughter? Who is this? Well, it is co-host of well or host. I mean we don't know which one it is <laughs> which these one days. Do you take, well, listen, David? listen, I I don't think I give myself a title when I when I introduce because I was just thinking that when you were doing it but um so yeah I, I would say me myself and Claire are both co-hosts of our podcast okay yeah, well, well some, it some is. hosts have respect for their co-hosts <laughs> Claire well, might disagree she might disagree well she does, we'll she does to, want me to lead we'll have to ask so. her so well well no. Claire and Billy are the same in that sense then um <laughs> so Daisy from W Rated Yes. One of my favourite film podcasts. Um, oh, not thank just to, not, not to be that person, but yeah. Not just to butter me up. <laughs> no. <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? It's, yeah, anyway. And it's not like I've been on it at all. So. <laughs> you think you're the only returning guest. I might be, yeah. Well, you are our official parody correspondent, so you've got a committed, you know, you're a permanent member of our, of our team. <laughs> exactly. And funnily enough, Claire is our only returning yeah. guest. Oh my god, how how cool is that? There you she's go. Been, she's been around these parts t- two times before. <laughs> they say that nepotism gets you everywhere. <laughs> uh, right, okay. So um, if you will listen, if you listen to the last episode, the one where me and Billy explained where we have been, you will know that the film we are covering today is Cajillionaire, which I believe is the most recent Annapurna film, right? I don't think they've released. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's the last thing that came out. That under their umbrella. Mm. Yeah. So um, (laughs) interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah, written and directed by Miranda July. Love of my life. I believe you're a big fan of Billy. Just love her. Yep. (laughs) Um, and starring Evan Rachel Wood, uh, Deborah Winger, Gina Rodriguez, and Richard Jenkins. Um, Cajillionaire tells the story of um, Evan Rachel Wood's family, her and her parents, who um, are a family of grifters. 
and they uh, scam their way to to lots of money. They also uh, owe their um, landlord lots and lots of uh, rent money that they have not paid. Um, and they go on a, a very a, a different type of, of heist that they've never done before. And they uh, come across Gina Rodriguez's character um, and she kind of gets brought under into the wings of the family and there is um, a bit of tension between her and Evan Rachel Wood's character and it, it just kind of, the film goes from there really. What we always ask first, is Daisy, is mm-hmm. wh- when do you remember first watching Cajillionaire? So, I only watched Cajillionaire the once and I think that it's fair considering it's like a fairly new film but I actually watched it as part of London Film Festival, I believe um because i did i i did online sundance and like public and online uh london film festival during the pandemic um so that would have been the first and only time i'd seen it other than this rewatch um i don't know much about the uk release over here like cinema wise you guys know i'm assuming it it came and went like a flash yeah and i didn't mm. see it at all as all indie films do, they um, come and die a death in the UK. Yeah, so it had its uh, original UK premiere at London Film Festival, as you said. Um, and then I think it wasn't actually that long after. I remember it being a couple of weeks after it, it right. was like it had its release. And I I, I think it showed in multiplexes because I think I remember my where I work, we showed it, which is strange for a film like that. Mm. But it was only for like a week or two mm. at, at the maximum. Yeah, which is such a shame. Obviously, that's a whole big discussion in itself. But uh, and I'm glad I I'm glad that I took sort of like my choices or films that I picked for that uh, festival based on sort of like what people were talking about and that that it got exposure in that sense. Yeah. Um, so that I did check it out in that format because otherwise I would have missed it completely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I exa- exactly the same as you watched it at London Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and me too. Did you go? Did you see it in person? Because uh, I only did online screenings. No, yeah, I was completely from the sofa of my front mm-hmm. room <laughs> in front of the TV. Uh, I must have watched like twenty films or something wow. like that. Yeah, same. I remember because it was a. It, I think it was always on the online. Um, thing wasn't it because I think a few films were uh, like not on the platform there was a few that did an in-person screening either as well or only yeah um, yeah the, but I remember that, I was, was, was always oh always yeah oh okay online, was it only just online right got you yeah I think that might have been the case I, I think suppose it, it only... kind of has to be the case because there's so many and social distancing and mm. they probably just prom- I know like Soul was one of the ones that they did in person for example but something yeah. like this they wouldn't have in that circumstance i think soul is the only one i remember not being well, like one that i wanted to watch that i couldn't watch because it was just in person mm. i was really lucky that i was one of those people who got to see it in person yeah definitely because we were in at that point still in the midst of mm. the like first wave of the pandemic so and that was probably what because cinemas were I think that was the thing, wasn't it? That cinemas were actually still open at that point or had reopened 
Yeah, was that sort of August, September time, right? Oh, yeah. Because the first was October. So, yeah. So, I managed to get a cinema visit in at the end of October, at end of August. Um, and then, like, kind of just didn't feel comfortable again. And then I managed yeah. to get another one in in December. So, I kind of can pinpoint the waves of the virus based on <laughs> whether I went to the cinema or not. Because it went from february august december and then not again until like april <laughs> yeah literally I think my post wave visit <laughs> literally i think tenet was the only film i watched during yeah, that like that was fine. little bit of the opening um but yeah i i also remember that at kajillionaire i had to <laughs> i had to watch it on my phone what <gasps> I know. Oh, oh my god! Oh yeah, because so oh many directors gosh, have just spat out their coffee and tea. Whatever so there was like Miranda. a whole <laughs> problem with it specifically, wasn't it? Kajillina was having technical difficulties. Oh yes, I do remember this actually. Yeah, there was loads of buffering, wasn't there? Mm. It was specifically Kajillina, um, and I was absolutely gutted, uh, but I didn't want to miss out on watching it, so I was just like, you know, I'll just do it, whatever. Wow. Um, and I have a feeling that may have affected my viewing experience. Right. Experience oh, of it the shame. first time round, but I'm glad that I've been able to rewatch it again and reassess. Good properly. Mine watched like I was really lucky; it didn't happen. Like nothing went wrong with mine, and I just watched it on the TV, which I would have loved. Like I envy the people who got to see it in person mm. and sit I among people and like feel all of this What the feeling of being in a screen watching that kind of film would be. Me like. too. It was like the one thing I really, really wanted to see post, like, when the cinema started coming back up again. That mm. was the one thing I really wanted to see in person with people, but I just never got to. So, Daisy, Kajillionaire, mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. get into it. Let's get into the meat and the. To the um, <laughs> what did you think? Well, um, I didn't really know what to expect. I do prefer to go into films kind of not really knowing much i prefer to know like a vibe feel like feel like a vibe for something rather than no specific plot details or or anything like that i feel like trailers give so much away so i tend to try and only look at the first trailers with something like this obviously with film festivals it's not always that the films even have trailers available yet so i don't even know whether i avoided it or just didn't um, there wasn't one but i kind of just went off of the sort of the murmurings about what people were excited about um I think there might have been a trailer actually but so I went in with very very like low expectations and straight off the bat I was like this film is weird Uh, there's just like a (laughs) weird tension to this and I am uncomfortable and I love it because it matters to me that a film makes me feel something if I'm sitting there and I'm like detached from it like I'd much rather be uncomfortable because it's like affecting me Mm. but let me tell you, like, by the end, I like, I full-on cried. And I cried, uh, like, twice in the rewatch that I did the other night as well. It's it, it's very weird, but for me, like, it personally affected me in a very specific way. Um, so I will 100% be the kind of person that says this film is definitely not for everyone. <laughs> but you'll never know if it's for you unless you don't give it a mm. go, so... Yeah, a thousand percent. It it definitely is an outlier in terms of, um, like you said, it's vibe. Mm. Um, Just something feels off about it, doesn't it? Like not in a sinister yeah. way, but like it, kind it, of, kind of. <laughs> it's like it's running half a track to the left of everything else. Mm. 
Yeah, and you can't of, ever work out what it is that's bothering you so much. Yeah. It does kind of feel like a Miranda July film. See, this From is, her this, other films. I don't think I've seen anything else of hers. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. That I, so I can't really feel out mm. how it kind of fits into her filmography. I think it's kind of like a... Because I've seen one of her... I've seen Me and You and Everyone We Know... And I've seen parts of the future and like I follow her work online because she makes like she just has the best Instagram account. It's just like my favorite thing in the world. She just makes the coolest stuff. And during lockdown, she was doing all these like mini projects with like different people online and in person. And it's just her mind. This is all I have to like I just wrote in the notes when I was rewatching it again. All I have to say is, like, her mind is so fascinating to me. Mm. I just want to be inside of it because, like, it's the kind of thing that she knows exactly what she's doing. Mm. And it's like what you were saying, Daisy, of, like, oh, we know it's doing something to us, but we Mm. can't put our finger on it straight away. So we're just, like, inside of this world that, you're right, is so different to traditional. Because I was watching it on Sky Go um, and... The audience rating is a two star, mm. which I and I get was, that. I yeah, get that. I get it. I was like, I oh, that makes sense for Sky being like generally like a family package that people have, mm. and they'll watch those things together. And that's kind of how it's probably ended up like that. But it's just, I don't know. That was just me basically saying I love Miranda July. But... <laughs> oh, well, I have to. <laughs> I'll have to check out her other stuff and her Instagram because, like I say, I haven't seen anything else. And if this is if I've you know if I sort of solidified with a rewatch that I'm a big fan of this I think I should definitely expand my horizons and watch some more of her stuff well, I actually think one of them's on well I watched me and you and everyone we know on BBC iPlayer oh really okay, I don't know how it ended up there whether it was like on the TV or something yeah you, that's what usually happens with iPlayer if it if it plays right. on there they'll put it on I just could not imagine it playing on a BBC <laughs> it'd probably be like BBC two thing right I think it might even be a bit too wild for BBC Two. <laughs> Maybe it was well, Channel now, now I'm intrigued. Um, well, yeah, because inter- interestingly enough, this I believe Kajolina is the first film that she has directed, but hasn't starred in herself. Mm. Like one of her directed well films that she's directed. Um, but I have recently, well, not seen her, but heard her in a mm, in a film. Yeah, in a documentary, Fire of Love. Um, and she massively kept my attention throughout that film. Um, I would argue that it's th- that her voice is the um is like the the main selling point of why that really? documentary yeah. is so interesting. She is like her own character, really. Yeah. Even though she's a person. She is a person. Like <laughs> she's a person. But I don't know, there's just something oh, I don't know. It's it's also because and I know that like specifically she doesn't like it when people pair her and Mike Mills together but then being married I just can't help but love okay I didn't know that right yeah yeah her and Mike Mills are um married and have a child together and I just want to know you're not you're not biased then Billy (laughs) no I just want to know what happens inside of their household because I'm like how do you like both so artistically genius and like what are your conversations like Billy, do I you just want, need to do you know. Want to know? Do you want to know something? What? I've not seen a single Mike Mills film. <gasps> oh, I'm no. so sorry to upset you like this. 
Daisy. But I'm pretty sure I didn't know who he was until you. Spoke <laughs> oh. um, yeah, there's like a, a a golden triangle, isn't there, in Hollywood? It's it's Miranda July, Mike Mills, um, Noah Baumbach, Noah Baumbach Greta Gerwig, and Barry Jenkins. And Barry Lily Jenkins. Wang. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Damn. What goes on in their households? What conversations? Yeah. Do they what have a dinner? What, what a I dinner want. party that would be. Oh. Yes, the six of oh, them. You know that oh. um that thing that was going around it's like which table would you sit at and it had all the characters if that was a table that would be (laughs) would have a massive queue around the cafeteria (laughs) (laughs) mine scorsese and david fincher would be sat on their own twiddling their phone (laughs) (laughs) every episode he tries to get us cancelled like this (laughs) he loves it it's pure chaos it's just all the drama mick i love it (laughs) yeah yeah anyway back to (laughs) back to kajillionaire Let's talk about the score. The score. We have to talk about the score. Oh the my god! I can I just hold my hands up? I never remember music after a film. Like, really? Yeah, I really, even really, with this, I really, really struggle to recall music in my mind. Oh. Like that isn't like uh, pop music, like any kind of like music that I would listen to that isn't just just in the background of something. I'd hate to say that it's in the background. Obviously, it's a key part of the film, mm. but I can't. I don't know. Like, I find it really difficult to take in both I think at the same time so That's like so I, I know like obviously my favorite pieces from certain soundtracks and everything and can sing those like mm. uh, like I can remember the melody of those but I'm not gonna lie I wouldn't be able to tell you about this one <laughs> so I'll let you guys take it away That's so like interesting to me because I feel like it's such this film more than many that I've seen recently is so orchestrated by its music. Mm. Yeah. I feel I, I love the composer. They um, also did yeah. The Last Black Man in San Francisco, didn't they? And Minari. Oh, okay. Yes. Which and again, just... Minari is another film that is very much a product of its score yeah. as well. I wonder if for me, I it it's so subliminal in that mm. It works for me. I just don't hear yeah. it as a separate thing. So I can't remember it because that's not, because I think the thing that I w- want to say that's important is, it's not that I don't hear it and it doesn't affect me. I think it just affects me in the moment, but I don't then well, recall like, it as a separate thing mm, afterwards. Yeah. Well, it's like you were saying about how you felt like uncomfortable, obviously. That's what mm. the score was doing like half of yeah. the job. And like, we know that, like, that's if, if, you know, that's how good sound, like music, soundtrack, score, sound effects, any anything. It's kind of like, I don't know, like, I don't want to say that if you notice it, it's not doing its job. But it's like... Yeah, it's like an invisible art. Yeah, like it's kind of, exactly, exactly. It's kind of that thing of like, just because you don't necessarily record it, doesn't. It, in fact, it probably has like tied yeah. everything so beautifully together that you've just experienced it as one whole thing um so I don't think that I don't want from what I'm saying to come across as if I didn't like it I just think I probably experienced it emotionally as opposed to like cognitively (laughs) yeah it's like one of those things when they say like you only notice it if it's out of place or if it's Mm, like wrong like editing yeah 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 yeah, definitely yeah and I just think that everyone's brains work differently and that's something I've noticed with me like whenever you do film quizzes or anything I'm Mm. I cannot do score rounds at all (laughs) oh see I'm like proper good at score stuff like score (sighs) for me is like one of the 
Wow. One of the integral I mean, oh, parts I just... of the film. I, I just absolutely adore. Not that this is in any way related, but as of the day of recording, um, the, the master himself, John Williams, has just turned 90. Oh, wow. his birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, John. Johnny boy. Oh, John. <laughs> Big John. The man, the myth, the legend. Um, but, but yeah, no, I, I think um, the score is one of the strongest parts of, of this film. It really does tie everything together. Yeah, I'm it gonna really listen links back. to the themes. Of, like, I'm going to listen back afterwards now. Yeah, I think you Maybe are, that's I what like... I should do after films is like just listen back to the score because then I feel like it would connect the music to the, the emotion moment. to the emotion and then yeah. I'd be able to remember it a bit more. Yeah. Maybe I'll give that a go. I think that that is what it does specifically in this film because there's like one piece of music that I just hear in my head when I think of Kajillionaire. And I'm like, that is so, it just, I don't know how they do what it, but it scene? makes it, um, I mean, it's like, it's used throughout, the piece is used throughout, but it's okay. like used in different, like, it's a motif. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> see, she's got the, <laughs> this is why we like our guests, because like, they, they come with the intelligence. <laughs> listen, I know what it's called, I know what it's called, but I don't have any opinion on it, because <laughs> I can't remember it. Use it in All... a sentence. <laughs> Ooh. I'm just a robot like yeah. <laughs> I think in the it's called love theme mm-hmm. on the script but there's so like like so many of them have the word love in, in the title mm-hmm. there's love theme infinite love and our love and it's like I don't know I can just hear it and I know that it mm. makes me feel this specific way because it does kind of also put you in this really strange space because she, oh, I don't know. It's just like it's used from the beginning, mm. and well, it's just that, a I continuous think part of thing. her journey, I guess. So it's connected yeah. to multiple moments. Well, the you know the film is very much about her isolation from everything and from just life yeah. in general, mm-hmm. mm. and that's kind of yeah. yeah. I suppose if that's that's the feeling they want you to feel, then when you're listening to that song, it's going to make you feel that way as well, which is a bit of an unsettling feeling. Yeah, and I think it's what I like about the film in general is that as like offbeat as this the score kind of is, the whole narrative is in the sense that they've used the most interesting way to talk about like intimacy mm. and the fear of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And they've she's just gone down this really unique route because there are so many different ways to tell this story. There's you could do it through like a grief setting or like a new relationship setting or like all of these things, but it's like the most obscure version. Yeah, it is. which and is it's why the most it's so great. Subtle version of this like feeling that she's having. Yeah, exactly what you said. It's it's sort of like it's so great. It's like the con. It's like conceptual, isn't it? It's like metaphorical, and I think yeah, I think that's there are many different styles of film in terms of like straight up narrative, like based on real events, you know, proper proper reality, and then you get obviously comp- on the other uh, other end of the scale, completely experimental. And then there's just this sweet spot in the middle where you have these really sort of like high concept, but like an, enough of a reflection that you can look at in yourself and put yourself in the situation. For me is mm. why I love films because films are about stories about people. And mm. if you can do, if you can, if you can express a feeling and or, or an idea in a way that's totally new and someone can look at it and go oh, I understand that like how amazing is that and that's the kind these are the kind of films that do that 
Yeah, and I think it's what Miranda July does so well specifically is that she is so unaf- like she has no shame. She's not ashamed of anything. And I think that like you can tell that by the way she's written all of her characters is like in in any in some people's hands like it would definitely be like a oh this character's like a villain or this character's like the parents that's like just use them as an example like you're so the the actions that they they do and what they put out into the world you would expect us to dislike them Mm -hmm. but you just don't because of the way that she's like taking care of them and put them and it's like all the way to the end she's like very forgiving of them Mm -hmm. and she allows this space for them to be like and also this is like a, a side note but it's like right at the beginning in the birthing class when she has like the woman's body and the baby and that mm-hmm. kind of like sets the tone for the whole film is like we're going straight in with like and it's not in any like sexual kind of way and it's just like the most ordinary video mm-hmm. of this like it's so rare that you see like a female's body in a movie mm-hmm. and it's not used for like this sexual connotation or anything mm-hmm. And I just really love that. And I think it just sets the tone for everything that she makes. Is like she is so unashamed of human emotion, human body. Mm-hmm. Like she does dances on Instagram, like completely, almost naked. Obviously you can't be on Instagram because otherwise they'll take <laughs> it down. But like as naked as she can possibly be, mm-hmm. she just like is so <clears throat> free with, and like with her marriage and just stuff like that. I think it's just like really inviting people into this space to be like, put yourself in this position because it's the most strange and like detached Mm, push yourself out of your comfort zone yeah and allow yourself to feel these emotions and they're not weird because like we're going through this together Mm. does that make sense it does listen (laughs) I haven't seen any of her other stuff so the fact that that's a summary of who she is and what she's done and I can definitely see that like you might as well have been talking about this film because I see that very clearly in this just I don't know I feel like it's so rare that we get stuff like this nowadays yeah not to be Martin Scorsese but <laughs> not, not to be talking about theme park movie <laughs> oh god no it's not even about that though is it it's not no. it's not about that it's it's about films that as I say are a bit more conceptual they push you out of your comfort zone they get you to think about things that are uncomfortable to think about so mm. and I think that's really important because like I'd be really interested to, well, I suppose from your guys' perspective as well, but like for me, like I'm massively interested in psychology. I've been in therapy for seven Mm. years and like over all of that time and before I've always been interested, but as I've gone on my sort of like journey with that, I've become even more so, especially with things like attachment um, and like relationships and stuff. So I think that's why, personally, for me, this was so fascinating from a human emotion perspective, but also a psych, like an interest in the field and the subject matter and how, you know, I'm really at some point in my life would like to work with, you know, in the field of understanding, you know, kids with relationships and how they're grown up and having, Mm. you know, healthy boundaries and healthy, you know, having their mental health in a good position, things like that, all related to how we interact with them and how they grow up so I think there was the two sides of to that for me but I think if you I wonder if you don't have that personal connection where it's something that you've struggled with because I've struggled with intimacy in in my experience but also I've then become fascinated with it if you don't have that connection does it go over your head or like what I think it's interesting to know 
what other people's experiences of that is because it is a very high concept in that sense yeah, yeah. I mean we're 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 all a product of of our bringing up and mm-hmm. that's made very very obvious from the minute go in this film mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I feel like you you understand who um old dolio is from literally the i mean i would say from you know the scene where she's getting the massage in the massage parlor oh yeah oh like i just feel like from that moment i was just like yeah okay i get it like i i see Mm. this i see i see what's happened it's such an emotional scene so early in a film yeah 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 Mm -hmm. exactly when i was just re-watching it i was like this is happening like 15 minutes into the like yeah it's so crazy to bring that that like clear character development so early on in the film it's like and I think it's not until about 45 minutes in that we even learned her name no I don't and yet think... we still like identify with her from the beginning because yeah. she's yeah. been allowed to isn't be it when she it's either when she well it can't be when she goes to the first class because she signs up as someone else it must be when they introduce Gino Rodrigo yeah yeah that's the one yeah yeah, that's when I made a note of it, or at least that's the first time. I, if they said it before, I might have missed and it. And I mean, like... come on, like that's basically Act Two by that point. Yeah, a hundred percent. And then obviously, you know, the way that her parents have brought her up obviously massively affects how she interacts with Melanie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, this film, I suppose, it captures it perfectly, really. It's so interesting to see um, that character, Melanie, come into this world because she looks out of place. Yes. And she's yeah. like, supposedly, like, the normal one is in, like, she's had the most traditional life, but she also has these problems with her own, like, mother and the intimacy there. And Yeah, what's the... what? That's the one thing I struggle that I maybe don't completely get. Is mm. it... For, am I right in understanding it's this sense of kind of like fake closeness in this talking at not listening not noticing that she's yeah. not listening buying her stuff which she doesn't need is it that yeah. is that what they were going for because I wasn't sure really until the second time I watched it what that arc was about it kind of does feel like that it's like a missed love language type of thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as in like people showing love the way they feel love instead of learning mm-hmm. the other person or at least like it's, I agree with you, it's the more obscure narrative because the film is quite neat in the sense that it's got, it's like an hour and 44, is it? Yeah, about that. So there's not too much time to play around with that. If it was like over two hours, I'm sure they would have gone more into yeah that relationship. But it was like a, we're witnessing one version mm-hmm. of, of love and attention. All of the relationships between everybody are so conflicting. And even when old Dolio and Melanie meet, for the first time and throughout like most of the second act they mm. they conflict as well but the difference mm. being towards the end is that melanie kind of <coughs> subscribes to mm. um mm. old dolio's idea of how she wants to be treated as a person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's why they, they she doesn't yeah that's why they try click and put at the her end. stuff yeah yeah exactly try and put society's way of being on her she and I think what's what's what I really like about Gina Rodriguez's performance and like the way it's directed and everything about her character is 
She's always observing. You can see her always looking and her eyes are always flitting around and always watching them really closely and reacting Mm. to what's going on, but in a very subtle way, in a very human way, but also in a very knowing way. Like, I don't think this, this girl is clearly very emotionally intelligent because most people would have run a mile when like yeah. <laughs> these people started doing these things. Like she clearly, there's something there that intrigued her with this family um, for what I think originally was just a bit of a thrill um, to be involved in something like that. Mm. But I think you start to see as she's observing the family that she's deeply fascinated with what's going on here. And given that I assume her and Aldolio are supposed to be similar ages, that sort of commitment and like, um, attachment to her through a wanting to just out of pure fascination of them being so different but then also kind of wanting to save her a little bit but also not in a way that's like I want to change you which is really interesting they they kind of have the same outlook on mm-hmm. where they want to be and I feel like that's where they, they end up meshing together at the end for sure I think a scene that really does well to kind of show that is, and it's my favorite scene, is the ha- like when they're in, is it Abe? I think mm, yeah, I think Abe, so. Abe's house. Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that whole scene, like that, is the one thing that I remembered very clearly. I was like, you know, the, there's like a scene always where you're like, I'm waiting for it to get to this scene. Yeah. Like, yeah. The whole thing. I think that that really showed it because obviously, like they go into this house that isn't their own all four of them and then they like perform normality yes and it's like gina's character kind of changes the least but like Mm -hmm. she undergoes so much change in that scene alone and then like just watching them all interact in this really like normal setting they're actually in a house they're not in their like warehouse home Mm. that they've adopted and like seeing them in these normal or traditional like spaces it's like the mother's in the kitchen the father's like watching the do you not think it's so weird how well they do it the parents as well because i think they slip so easily into that 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 it's really disconcerting because of the way that you see aldoyo react and i think you're 100 with her because you do not expect these people to be able to people who are against societal norms in that way most of the time kind of like aren't necessarily like I suppose that you've got a lot of like um, examples of people being and having to mask and things like that and hide hide certain sort of like things that aren't socially accepted and stuff like that but it kind of seemed like they wouldn't be able to be so convincingly sincere and that was what was really interesting to me with that scene and then with the dinner scene at the end um where it's kind of mm-hmm. clear whether they're dupe, like duping her or they really mm-hmm. are t- sharing how they feel, well, and and yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because they're so you you can tell that they're so used to doing it, and they've obviously clearly been doing it longer than she's been alive. Um, yeah, the, the whole grift stuff that. So like, maybe... what's the real side of them? Like, are oh, yeah, they exactly they do? Are they acting out with their you know with their grifting stuff, and it gets it's a side of them that they get to that they get energy from and like that's mm. what they how they prefer to live but then they do have this other side or is that pure performance and always has been because obviously they have 
they talk about this other life that they had before Aldolio and Aldolio's like I never knew about this and all this mm. was that do they still see that as part of them or did they always see it as a bit of an act like that's why I kind of wish this film was a little bit longer because I would love to have known a little bit yeah. more about that but again sometimes it's you know don't explain everything I think when you as, as when you like get so ingrained into doing something as well you don't realize that you're doing it and then mm. they have obviously not realized how it's affecting mm. their bringing up yeah. of their daughter but in a way i wrote like a note in that scene when they're like in the house that every i wrote they all liked it for a moment but it just yeah. doesn't sit right with their reality yeah as in like i think every single one of them liked it like i think the dad genuinely enjoys watching the golf and the mum felt at home like in the kitchen mm. preparing like fake cake and I was never sure about the mum I can I can I can I don't know I can see it with the dad maybe but I just don't I don't I feel like she she was performing something that she had seen recognized and rejected as in like that could have been what her childhood looked like right and she decided from a young age that that wasn't mm. For her, or something see, that's the thing—they don't really go into why or how these people became who they are, because that's not—it's not their story. It's Old Dolio's story, but obviously, yeah. like generational trauma is a thing. Like that's why these things are passed down. So you know, if there's going to be a sequel, <laughs> I, would, I would like to know. Yeah, I would like to know. I know that, that that's not what these films are about, but I'm just. And listen, like that, 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 I guess that gives it a bit of rewatch value to try and see little glimpses of what that could be through what this film is potentially and come up with some theories. But yeah, it's really fascinating. I just think like their whole dynamic is because from the beginning, they just look like a group of people just come together. Mm. Like there's no way of knowing that they're related or that yeah. they're the parents and she's the child. Well, like, Melanie no... doesn't realize, does she? No, how, yeah, did you, how did you meet them? Like she's been yeah. hanging out with them for however many hours, and then she's Aldola's just like they're my parents. Like, yeah. what do you mean? <laughs> like, it's also the way that like Aldolio notices. I kind of I also want to see like what happened before this film because she she notices from the beginning the way that other parents talk about their children. Like right at the beginning when she knocks on the door to return the watch and things and then she's like oh. oh she goes back to her parents and then she's like they were talking about their daughter like she went to do all of this and like all of that and it's like she notices when other and she's like she thinks really, it's weird she thinks it's so weird they were like she's yeah. like they were like obsessed with her and oh my yeah. god I'm so glad you said that because I didn't quite get the connection of oh it's just because they were just lovingly talking about their daughter and she doesn't yeah ever and she doesn't that. get it at all yeah. but it's like wow. That, like a set of parents would want to talk about their child that way and then like she she's goes pride the she's class. never experienced a parent's pride because even when yeah. even when she she suggested the, she, she suggests the grift the big one the parents react very yeah. negatively as in like the mum feels undermined Mm. Um, and I think the dad kind of just like shuts it down without before he's finished it all and it it, yeah, it's it's interesting how even when she's doing stuff right in their eyes, it's still not what they want. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah, and their relationship is way more transactional than any yes other thing that she's witnessed in the sense that, like, yeah, it's like the thing is like, oh, they're obsessed with her, but it doesn't seem like she does 
she like she doesn't talk about what the child does for them no and so it's like a situation of like oh I I do stuff for, for like my parents or like that's how it's going through her mind is like I do things and our relationship is like because then she talks about the equal thirds they're like like, like, oh what do you do kind of thing right where yeah everyone is living and breathing and surviving and thriving off of each other there's never any real giving or taking and growing and moving it's just being in this sort of like blob of (laughs) of a family unit that is they're not individuals they're just a family unit surviving and that's really sad but also very fascinating Mm. And the people around them are doing the same thing, like the guy that they pay the rent to and the girl on the street who she, like, goes to pretend to be in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, like, there, there's this small world where people are all doing the same and then, like, yeah, Melanie comes into that and we see how those two worlds collide and how it's not just these, like, strange, offbeat characters that are the ones going through all these problems. It's, like, equally a human thing regardless of what our background is. Mm. It's like everyone's feeling these things. Oh, and I also wrote, just have to do like a little aside for this. Mm-hmm. When they're on the aeroplane and reacting to the turbulence, <laughs> I have never I have never felt more seen in a film. <laughs> oh, do you not like turbulence? When he's like, oh my gosh, honestly. Is this, the is this normal for this, for this round? Is this, no, is this normal? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, like just totally, talk. Totally. Just keep talking. She's like, gin and tonic for her. I love it. <laughs> just, because she did, you know, Melanie's, the character that Gina Rodriguez plays is just a typical extrovert fascinated with people she sees Mm. this couple old couple who can't handle the turbulence and they ask her to talk to them to get through and she just thrives off of it then she kind of like hears about this grift and then she's like oh my god she 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 strikes me as the kind of person that just kind of goes where the night and day takes her and she just wants a bit of like thrill we don't really know anything more about her other than like the connection to you know going to the houses of her customers because she works at opticians right um yeah we know we know very briefly interactions with her mum but we don't see her talk or talk about friends or relationship or anything like that I don't think we really know much about her life but we see a lot about her character um but yeah I always find the way she's so upfront so funny because it's so contrasting because they're very upfront in a very yeah, blunt, in a blunt way, way but yet she still powers and domineers over all of those scenes whenever she is with them mm. it's just this like really strange way that everyone I don't know I'm just so interested in like the way that she talks about things without ever saying them at all like there's never like a line where a character is directly expressing how they feel it's always through what they're trying to get from someone else mm. or what like they're not saying like when she says I'll give you the money to call me hun it's not like I need you to do this for me because I'm feeling like this it's like on the surface this is what I'm, I want mm-hmm. but it's not and what, she like, says like when um obviously so they get the money from the luggage um from the mm. luggage scam um they've got this check you know floating around old dodio says to, to her mum, I'll, I'll you know i'll give you this money if you just call me han and 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 obviously they're uh Mel- melanie's pretty pissed off with the family for trying it on with her <laughs> um <laughs> so she's like do you know what screw it like i'll do it and and then obviously 
she she leaves with her and then you know she does a bit more than call her hun she calls her like sweet baby and all of this and it was it, it seems very sincere and stuff and you know she gives her the check and she goes oh there's a checking you know there's a cash place across the street and you think oh yeah she really is being ruthless now she doesn't want anything to do with this family but then she starts writing down this list of all the things yeah. that the mum said that they don't do for her and she goes you know like that's your money dancing. give me your, yeah give me, you can pay me once we've done these things this is a all this is an all in deal yeah and you're right it's interesting because on the surface it's like she's being paid to give her a experience that she wants she wants the money she's willing to pay it but it's so much more than that like because she obviously wants to do that for her but she also feels like she should earn the money and if that if old is willing to give it away it's all underlying messages of communication that I never really said it's really interesting I think it's really yeah because like I don't know, it's something in Melanie recognising the way that old Dolio mm. receives and gives yeah. love and then is like, okay, so if that's how you... Then that's how I'm going to communicate with you. Yeah, yeah for sure. And we're gonna She's do like, that this, is a, this is a deal. This is a transaction. So yeah. she's, and she's not thinking, I want to make you pancakes. I want to give that. I want to give you presents. I want to do this. But I, if I start showering you with that affection, you are going to freak out and run away. So I will tell you, you know, I'm don't you, that's not my money until this deal's done. And that's the only way that old Dodio is able to get through with it because yeah. old Dodio cannot give the money to her because she's like, oh, the deal's not done yet. Again, like you say, it's very transactional. And it seems bad on the surface. It seems like superficial, but it's actually yeah. just the way that like she communicates and it's all that she knows and if that's all that she knows then that's how mm-hmm. they're gonna have to communicate and you're right that she's been what like Melanie's been watching the whole time and she's well, like, like okay I've recognized this think and... about the end as well obviously um they buy her they end up buying her a present for every year up until her 18th um and then they've got the the insurance money um you know stuffed away and they think that they're gonna steal it and old Delia says you know, if it's there, it means this. If it's all gone, it means this. And if they leave my share, it means yeah. we will never change as people. We are who we are, but we respect you, you know. And that's just the perfect example of, like, that is their language with each other. And that's mm-hmm. explained in a way that we can understand through her little, this is what happens if, this is what this means, etc. That's why mm-hmm. it's so impactful at the end, obviously, <laughs> given the value of the presence, so... Oh yeah, that final scene. <laughs> as well as the uh, intimacy side of things that are, are explored, how do you feel about how <clears throat> how the kind of the relationship side of things is is dealt with in terms of like how um, how our parents have like a vision for who we should become. And how mm. if that doesn't how if that doesn't happen, whether that is a bad or a good thing, and then how we as children always want to you know please our parents and we want our mm. parents to be proud of us and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. It's interesting yeah. you say that actually because one of the things that stuck with me on this rewatch is how you know the parents always say to her, "We didn't raise you like that." You know, you're not emotionally. Or they either say she, Aldolio's not emotionally something. What is it she says? Because Aldolio's in the positive parenting class and she brings it up again. 
and I can't remember what it is. It's like emotionally something. Um, and it's all based off of the fact that Melanie cries when Abe dies. And she goes... Oh, she says that she has tender feelings. Tender feelings. Yeah. She goes, it's okay. It's just because she's got tender feelings. And the way that it's... The way that it's done is really interesting. I don't know if you guys feel this way, but it's as if they're looking at it as some sort of disadvantage. Like, oh, don't, you know, we're not like this because we've brought you up this way, but she wasn't brought up this way. So we need to make sure that we look after her, that she's that she's divergent in that way in some sense. And it's interesting because you'd think people like this would want to preach and put their view of life on everyone. But what hurts old Dolio the most, I think, is that they treat her that way, but then the people who aren't raised by them, they speak in their love language because they're aware that, oh, just because we didn't raise them like that doesn't mean that their feelings aren't valid. So it's kind of a double-edged sword where she can see the rationalization behind it, but then she's like, but that's not that wasn't my choice. I I want to have tender feelings, but you didn't allow me to. It's really complex and interesting. Yeah, it's true. Of like, it is kind of like a to go back to what Alex is saying about um, recognizing parents having like one vision and then mm. all of that. It's like a it's like a different rebellion story in a way. Mm. Of like a it's it's coming of age in its own sense of like oh, she's yeah. found a new way to she's like exploring a new way to live outside of what they've already known. And it's so bizarre that like if she diverts from being a con man like that's the thing that's gonna like break her <laughs> parents heart in the sense that they're like this is the life we have for you and if you don't like it like this is very offensive to us whereas most parents would be like please get some help yeah <laughs> no yeah I think I think it really does it, it it's again that thing of making a scenario so far from your own that you recognize it in a sense that it's not it's never talking at you yeah and it's not so it's it's not so specific well it is so specific for them but not so specific as in like a recognizable situation of like oh my parents want me to be a doctor but mm. I'm gonna go and be like a musician or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. it's like not as clear cut as that and so I think it opens a space like a really vulnerable space for people to yeah I, I just like uh, the way it doesn't instruct you to feel a certain way mm-hmm. yeah that's the thing though isn't it like with it because it is so far removed it it does leave it leave you more open to be able to relate to the deeper yeah. meaning of their relationship and the relationship old Dolio has with her parents and whether that mirrors uh, how mm. you feel about your relationship with your parents or mm-hmm. any kind of like familial or figures or whatever. Yeah, it's like she's looking for at the beginning. She's looking to find a, a way to get her parents to be. Impressed like by her mother... by coming up well, the thing. The oh yeah, and the mother daughter trip, trip. right? Yeah. She's like, well, let's just because she's like, let's try this, and then she's like, right, that doesn't work, so let's do it this way. We still get to go on the trip, but it's like your version of the trip, as mm-hmm. in like we still mm-hmm. get to do a a job throughout that, and it's and like a that's all spurred by the the parenting course, right? Because it makes me wonder yeah. why now. Um, and I, I don't it know. If I it's think just... it's just one of those things that she's probably never seen. Yeah, and it's you. just and it's just these. It, it's allowed basically the tap, and all of this stuff to come pouring out that's been mm. sort of held in for so long. And the chance encounter with Melanie it then just spurs it on even more. 
Yeah, it would be interesting to like know her age as a character. Twenty six. Oh, she's twenty six. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a. That's thing just of... the. I love the comedic way that that's <clears throat> said as well. Like when they're like doing all the presents across the floor, and they're one age a, a newborn age one blah blah blah, yeah. and then she's like, "Where's the eighteenth? Where's the eighteenth? And I think I don't think she outright says to her, "You're only eighteen or she says something, and then Hordoda just goes, "No, I'm twenty six. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and walks off. It's just so funny to me. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a that's a point. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a point in life where. Well, at know, that age, like too. most people are separated from their family and and having their own, living their own life and building their mm. own family. And maybe it's a little bit of a comment. It might not be intentional, but you could probably look at how that age mm. has increased through the opportunities and like economy and everything for this the millennial generation you know i only moved Mm. out of my family home at the age of 26 so maybe it's that coming of of age story like you say billy in a bit more of a reflective of the current era of that generation potentially it's it's so interesting though that obviously their relationship um is the most unconventional kind mm-hmm. of familial relationship you could ever even dream of but um you know the parents are, like old dolio is a crutch to her parents as much as her parents are a crutch to her mm-hmm. and um obviously she hadn't found a way to break free from that until the events of the film happen mm-hmm how do yeah. you i'm just like cuz i only really really like focused on how they affected her but i'm just interested like what your thoughts are in terms of like the other way around i i found well, I, and it, i wrote this well you go first Alex. i suppose they rely on her a lot for most of the grifts well, right well yeah literally well that, that's <laughs> that's basically it isn't it without yeah, her yeah. they can't do what they need to do and yeah. whether that is like just like it goes back to when you were talking about how how um it's all transactional yeah well like even the bubbles and she goes oh it's a three-man job on a thursday or whatever like it's just yeah. those little those little moments of dialogue that are so telling to like that that's a perfect example of what you just said alex like that's none of this dialogue is just in there for the sake of it i don't mm. i don't think it's um also, yeah, on the um, on the topic of the bubbles. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, is that just like uh, Billy can probably confirm this? Is that just like a Miranda July thing? <laughs> or, are they there for a reason? Is is it are the bubbles metaphorical? Is what I'm asking. Well, I feel like it 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 is metaphorical in the sense that when they go away, like no one's controlling them anymore. And so, like, it is, like, a whole thing of, like, is it when they're in New New York or... I think it is when they're in New York. The bubbles, like, completely fall into the whole uh-huh. thing yes. and they overflow. And so it's, like... Is it that moment? I can't... I don't know remember. if it's... But there's a cutaway where they're, like, away for the night. Yeah. And, and the then it cuts back to the thing and the bubbles are completely, like, they're, they've put up this, like, thing to hold him down, but it's, yeah. like, pulling it <laughs> that, yeah. down. Again, and, these little moments that sort of, like, jump cut to that made me laugh. Yeah, I think it's, like, her... 
how she's feeling inside and how so it is her... metaphorical because yeah so it's like bubbling away yeah at the surface there was definitely down. something along those lines that i felt that when i was watching it i was like right my interpretation is this is a metaphor for this and unfortunately i didn't write it down but it was very much of that ilk um mm. and something to do with like you know the feelings of you know, they're pink bubbles at the end of the day. Like it's mm. these feelings of like, if you imagine it's sort of like the butterfly feeling of being close to people and how mm. they get these bins and they scoop the all up as it overflows and, and they, they just, just dump it down a drain in yeah. this horrifically grey office yeah, it's block like not that they live in. It. Mm-hmm. They don't confront it at any point. And I will say in regards to what you asked about how um, she affects them, mm. I also do think it's a lot about motherhood. Like the mm. whole story is about like this fear and I don't know. There's always like, and like yeah, there's um, yeah, because they oh, yeah. they keep they ask her, "Are you pregnant?" Like you know, it's all yeah. There's this like association to motherhood, and I feel like there's so much pressure on on people who are well, people with uteruses, people who can have like who can give birth to things so, like. To ha- to be this like maternal uh-huh. person who is so in love with like children to I don't know it's like such a like it's just a thing of being a woman is like people always ask you well, when are you gonna have a, like when are you gonna have a child and I just think that with the mother what I really really liked about her is like motherhood was never painted as this like really beautiful like romantic period of life it's like no it's actually really challenging and like. Mm. And it goes back to the mother and baby image at the beginning. It's like, it's not like a beautiful stylized image. It's like, Mm. this is what motherhood is. Like it's Mm -hmm. a body and it's a baby and it's like how much they rely on each other. Mm -hmm. And she, and then she says in the, on the airplane, she's like, was I, was I on the abdomen or did I go in a cot? She Mm. knows like, like she knows she went in a cot because it, it would explain so much to her. Mm -hmm. She just needs to hear from her mum. Like I went in the cot and that is why I'm so like detached And that interaction is so it's so tense because again she's not being heard they keep saying yeah. are you pregnant is she pregnant like the, the dad's sniffing her hair to tell if she's yeah. pregnant and she's just like was i did I, like did i crawl up or was i put in a cot and she's yeah. just like are you pregnant are you pregnant and then eventually she just goes a cot and it's so odd so yeah. like spiky and like just hits you right in the gut because you knew you know you know but it's as yeah, if it's as if it. the mum knows how yeah, she knows. She, it's like I a, think she knows that bad. that what that's gonna tell old Dolio. Like she doesn't, I know she doesn't come across like she she doesn't understand why she's asking that. I think she knows, and I just don't think that she I think she has got a bit of resentment and towards her daughter. Yeah, and that's how it's that just like you gave me these like intimacy issues because from the from day one from the second I came out like you put me at a distance. Mm-hmm. And I'm like learning all about distance. this at my counselling course. So it's really fascinating to see like oh. a conceptualized version of it. Like with the with the breast crawl, right? The thing, the whole mm. the whole sort of like um thing that sort of starts this all off. Like I'm learning about like Freud and all of those uh, and then up uh, and other uh older sort of like theorists about like the relationship between the mum and breastfeeding and like psychologically so it's all related to that and attachment and like I think what's what's really really interesting to me on a second watch having known that now is I didn't quite get the the full I understood why they were doing it like it was on the list for her to do like a breast crawl um yeah. so that's why I 
Melanie takes her to a dark place and then mm. she says, oh, I'll just crawl on the ground and then I'll hug you basically. Yeah. But I just felt, I felt it this time. I didn't just watch mm-hmm. it. Like I, I was like, that's that her being reborn. Like they go into the, 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 the toilet in the gas station because it's so dark. Mm-hmm. They experience an earthquake, the big one. Um, the big one. Aldolio thinks she's died. And then when they come out, she's got this whole new appreciation for life. And when she realized, and and Melanie's walking away from her. She's walking away from her. She is not um, listening to her needs. She is rejecting her basically. And then Aldolio does the equivalent of a breast crawl like across the parking lot. And Jean, mm. and, and Melanie stops and she effectively makes that connect, new connection again. And it's just mm-hmm. like, this is so fascinating that it's, she's basically reparented with Melanie, but in a yeah. in a different kind of romantic, loving relationship, which mm-hmm. you, in my experience like of watching the film, it's just like, okay, so the concept here is that she has kind of been reborn in the sense of intimacy and now she can have new attachment because she has been able to recognize that what she needs in herself and get that from someone else which is just really Mm. lovely it's just the most like beautiful thing but if you don't get it or interested in it or it just doesn't seem right to you that it's just so weird (laughs) yeah exactly which is why yeah what we were saying of like understanding why people gave it Mm. the two stars because on the set it is one of those things that I just, I think it is. Just if like you look on the film. surface of a film like this, it 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 won't work. You need to, and yeah. it, listen, I'm not saying you just didn't get it. Like it's not oh, that yeah, yeah, because yeah. there 100%. are loads of films that I don't click with. It's about at the end of the day, these are stories, and we can only we can only perceive stories through our own experience. And if they don't yeah, exactly. connect to your own experience, you probably won't. Especially like Alex, you were saying, when it comes to something that's really high concept, you really have to be. Ref- it really has to reflect like a deeper feeling and emotion rather than just tell you how to feel. Mm. And I think that might be the difficulty with films like this. It's not done in a conventional way of saying you should feel bad for this person now and you should do this. Like Billy, you were saying they're not, you're not told they're villains. Mm. Like they're just there for you to work out. And if you don't know people like them or, or, or see people that you do know reflected in them, then you probably just like, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't, you know, and therefore I don't, and not even some people is, they do understand. They just don't have an emotional connection to it. And therefore it's, yeah, which is fair enough. It's not impactful and therefore not a film for them, but I am not one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) For us, it will work. (laughs) Right. I think, have we, we gotten to the bottom of everything we want to get to the bottom of with that? Yeah, I feel like yeah, I think so. Me. I don't think there was anything else other than I'm looking forward to listen to the score now mm. <laughs> after all of that and seeing if it sort of re- like brings 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 my love for the film back and I can start liking the score as a separate thing. <laughs> I do just want to say though that Evan Rachel Wood is the very clear MVP of. This oh film. my god! Yeah, oh. amazing. <sighs> So apparently her voice is a lot lower oh, in this, and apparently that's yeah. her normal voice. That is her and she real trained voice. It, yeah, she cha- yeah. trained it higher. Um, for her other for, roles. Yeah, amazing. Mm. Yep. And, and Alex, what was your trivia? That. 
like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. We always do fun facts with Alex. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, it's the front thing on the IMDb page anyway, so. That that is that is it then. We are closing the door. Um, or the book, or the uh, metaphorical bubbles on Cadillionaire. Um, we have wiped the bubbles. We have tapped yeah. down the wall. <laughs> but are we keeping them or are we dumping them down the drain? We're keeping. We're keeping them. the, the bubbles. We'll keep the bubbles. Uh, right. Before we spin the wheel to find out what the next film Ooh. is, Daisy. Mm-hmm. Of course, Annapurna have um a. A thirty film library, filmography. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other films that um, that you're a fan of? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will say I do feel like I need to do a lot more homework. Um, but look, this is what why this podcast is great because it's like making me realize, oh, that's by the same people. Okay, well maybe I'll vibe with that. Let's let's explore what else is out there. But ones that I have seen that I really like, I know. Billy's gonna love this, and it does go back to our uh, our project together. It's her. Oh yeah, <laughs> which I think the influence. Yeah, the absolutely stunning, and that's a big influence for for the for the look of the the film project that that Billy's directing and producing, and means a lot to to Billy. I know um, it's a huge influence on the project we work on together um and uh, you know visually it's fantastic the story is amazing and like again it's just like relevant to this whole intimacy and relationships thing which i love stories about um few other ones um i love booksmart i absolutely adored uh watching that in the cinema totally did not expect to laugh that much i've since shown it to my boyfriend and he couldn't even get halfway through uh, so look, not everyone has a good sense of humour. <laughs> that sounds for a breakup, to be honest. Well, but... you, you know, it's probation. <laughs> He's been put, been given a warning. Um, um, and I, I, I know that you guys, I think you guys count this, but I don't know if it's because it's just distribution or not. But sorry to bother you. Yes, yeah, yeah. that is. Yeah, I was of... that wild. Absolutely so wild. <laughs> and if we're talking about like metaphorical, like conceptual like that is <laughs> mm-hmm. make makes you think uh so yeah they're probably my my top picks for Annapurna nice awesome right what has the wheel got for us today <laughs> the wheel has been spun off and... and I can confirm that it was an inch and I mean literally not even an inch actually it was a minuscule hair length off being 20th century women are you freaking joking me? I can't be bothered. This wheel has a vendetta against me. <laughs> so what is it? So last Billy. No. <laughs> she just wants to do it. Alex no. Watch it now. No. Um, so instead of 20th century women, I mean, I c- am I allowed to be sad about sausage party? Why was it next sausage- to it? Was it on the other no, side? Sausage party, yeah. <sighs> God damn it. Right, anyway. <laughs> Um, so the film that we will be discussing on ne- the next episode of the Annapurnaverse is, drumroll please, David O. Russell's Joy. <gasps> oh my gosh, what? My two favourites next to each other. Yeah, they were. Actually. Oh, yeah. oh no, sorry. 
I have so much to say already. Let's just record it now because I can do this myself. <laughs> I can do that episode myself. <laughs> All right, then you can do that. <laughs> it would just be me doing a monologue for yeah. two hours. <laughs> yeah. Like one of those essays, like, in this essay, I will. I will discuss. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. That makes me so happy because you've not seen it, have you? I have never seen Joe. Oh, oh, I didn't even say. Oh, well, we I kind of did. But it's, you know, it's not often that a film comes around on the Annapurnaverse where I've actually already seen it. And this <laughs> is one of those films. Cajillionaire was one of those Ah, oh, there you go. Yeah. But no, I haven't seen Joy. I've never seen Joy. So. <gasps> oh my gosh, I'm so... Can't wait. <laughs> the fact that I even screamed for Billy because I knew how excited she'd be. <laughs> well, there we are. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Daisy. It's been an absolute thank you. pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for and... kicking us off again. Yes, my pleasure. And thank you for bringing this film back into my back into my life after um, one watch. It was yeah. I think I definitely think this is going to be one that I revisit again semi-regularly, so. Very good. And we hope that um, if there are people out there that have only just watched it for the first time, that you that, that you, they enjoyed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where can people find you, Daisy? So, um, Twitter, which is where I am most prolific, uh, <laughs> is uh, at Daisy Vic Edwards, but I am also on Letterboxd, uh which is my full name daisy victoria edwards and instagram is daisy victoria edwards all one word cool and billy usual places yeah (laughs) new york london new york london baby yeah no (laughs) we'll leave we always leave our social media in the yeah 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 exactly right well there is only one more thing to do um so daisy Mm mm-hmm what 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 can people what what can people do? I've forgotten it. <laughs> no no no! I know Everybody what the, forgets I, it. I know what the thing is. I have to say, but like I can't remember like the whole phrase. You just have to say, "We will see you." We will across, see you. Okay. Across the Annapurnaverse. We will see you across the Annapurnaverse. Oh, I like that one. That, I feel like there's a nice. Uh, yeah, that was that was good. Thank you.